Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, wherever you are and however you may be listening this is the sports rivals for ernie i'm monty and together we will talk the world of sports i know it's been almost a week but as expected the university of connecticut destroyed san diego state monday night in the national championship game to win their fifth national championship in the last 24 years they are the winningest national championship program over that time span more so than duke kentucky north carolina and anyone else You kind of don't think of them that way because they've kind of spread it out. But five national championships in the last 24 years, another pretty easy victory. San Diego State made a slight run in the second half to bring it in within five, but a three-pointer by Jordan Hawkins, and it was a blowout. So your thoughts on the national championship game being that you did pick UConn to win it all early. Oh, oh yeah, and I was was worried a little bit because the point spread came out at like six and a half, and I was thinking... Man, this is not a six and a half point game. This is like more like a eleven and a half point game, and I was a little, a little worried over there just to start off. And when San Diego State made that comeback in the in the second half, like you said, cut it down to five, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm, I just had flashbacks of uh, you FAU. know the FAU, uh, yeah, exactly of the FAU. But uh, you know, UConn just again flex its muscle again. Like you said, the most winning. Uh, uh, college team uh, in that time span, and what's more amazing, three different coaches. Yep, three different coaches. Three titles for uh, Jim Calhoun, who's a legend, a Hall of Fame coach. One for Kevin Ollie, who wasn't there very long, and then one now for Mister Hurley, yeah. uh, representing the Hurley clan with oh, his first of what looks like <laughs> many championships don't because say, they're loaded. Yeah, don't say representing the. Um, uh, I mean, I, nothing against Bobby Hurley, but. Boy, as far as he's got to be up there, as far as uh, my most hated Duke player. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was on that team with Christian Lader, etc. Um, yeah, I, I totally hear it. So, c- congratulations to UConn. You are the champion now, Ernie. There are over two thousand players in the transfer portal, so I think next year it's going to happen again. You could, you could literally see. Anybody put together a national championship caliber team right. with the types of players that are in the transfer portal. I mean, right. there are all Americans galore. And even on the women's side, I mean, LSU put together nine new players this year, including Angel Reese. Uh, they won a national championship. I can definitely see that happening on the men's side next year. Mm-hmm. Anyone has a chance based on 2,000 players in the transfer portal. That's crazy, but it is what it is. Yeah, that's today's. That's like I said in my closing thought. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, the playing field had, with, with this transfer portal has leveled a bit. You know, you don't Definitely. have your super. You don't have your super teams anymore. You can recruit these teams. You know, you can recruit these players, but the really good ones they go outside. They go to the G League. They they stay. Uh, Back in Europe where they're getting paid, you know, and I know you mentioned NIL. NIL is, to me, you got to be established first. You're not getting the guaranteed half a million dollars that, you know, most uh, G League Unite, uh, uh, is it G League Ignite? Yeah, Ignite. Ignite. Yeah. Not Unite. Ignite 
uh, players get right up front even before they uh, you know step on court. So uh, NIL is good in my opinion. I, I I you know I I think it keeps you know players in the college game uh, longer, longer yeah and and whatnot. But which is good for the college yeah, game. which is good for the college game. But uh, you know uh, as far as you know those. Top-notch superstars like Webb and Yama, Scoot Henderson, and Scoot Henderson. Just his background. He's he's I believe the youngest out of six. All his brothers and sisters, uh, you know, got scholarships, whether it be basketball or football. All of them went to college. He's the only one who went straight. So it's not like he's he's out on a limb. His parents guided him, and Scoot went in at seventeen. So he skipped his senior year of high school to do it two years in a row. So if, if this is the trend that's going to happen, uh, you're going to be seeing a lot more of, you know, the Yukons, uh, the San Diego State senior-laden teams. Uh, and like you said, going back to the, the women's side on LSU, putting together those types of teams. Well, it, to- it, it, it totally makes sense because you can recruit all of these freshmen, but they're 17, 18-year-old kids. Right. Or you could use that scholarships to cherry pick proven collegiate players or experienced, physically developed collegiate players instead. And that seems to be the trend. Like Gonzaga, they had Chet Holmgren, they had Jalen Suggs. They're not even going after top recruits now. They're trying to assemble a team now straight from transfer portal people in order to compete. So it's a, it's a change in the game. It's interesting. I still think it's a little bit too chaotic for my liking um, <clears throat> because I just think it's too much for you to be recruiting off of teams. I think it's too much for players to transfer four times like some have right. every year for four straight years. At some point, you're not teaching the kids anything by not holding them accountable, allowing them to just as soon as something bad happens, they leave. I know they say coaches leave, so players should be able to leave, but no coach leaves four years in a row. Right. Like you don't have a coach, take a job, leave next year, leave next year, leave next year. So we'll see how it plays out. But for now, it is the wild, wild west in the college transfer portal. So Ernie, let's shift our gears to the masters i think for me the story of the masters was the severe weather that happened early in the week including trees falling down yeah, on, the course yeah. on, on friday um tiger makes the cut which i thought was bad for him because physically he wasn't going to be able to compete in that weather and sure enough he went six over after the first couple holes in round three it was canceled he withdrew which i thought was for the best because he was staring at like a plus 20 um, being forcing himself to play when he was physically incapable of doing so but beautiful weather today down the stretch your thoughts on the eventual winner john ram passing brooks kepka to win his first masters and yeah. solidify his spot as the best golfer in oh, the yeah. world he came in number one and like you said he solidified it with this championship win i mean like you said a number of stories i'm, I'm even gonna throw in uh the amateur over there sam i forget Sinet. yeah Sinet. yeah from the, the texas a&m guy i mean boy he was competitive after after the second round he was up there with the leaderboard and he you know he he held his own uh uh what Went back in rounds uh, three and four, but still, I believe he he ended up uh, tied for 16th place for the Masters. But as far as the you know the eventual winner John Ram, what a final round! And I think he started 
this all started on the 14th hole. He only had a three-shot lead going to the 14th hole. Uh, just to set it up for you, John Ram, um, beautiful approach shot, pin high, drew the ball back based upon the contour of the of of that green, landed within about uh, like six to eight feet from the hole. On the other side, Kepka came up about forty feet short. Kepka ended up three putting. Uh, John Ram ended up birding. Uh, so. A three-shot lead became a five-shot lead with four shots to go. Uh, fortunately for Kapka, he birdied 15 and 16. Great run, but John Ram didn't make a mistake. He stayed at 12 under, making miraculous shots. Even on the 18th, where he where he went straight into the trees, he was able to scramble, make a beautiful second shot right into right by the pin again to save par to win. The, the the 2023 Masters, you know, falling to uh, the fourth Spaniard to do it following, you know, Olathabo Ballesteros and Sergio Garcia. So, John Ram. Uh, yeah, John Ram is incredible. I mean, he's definitely the number one player in the world. I mean, Bruce Kepka was super all the way up until the very ending of round three. He went from 13 under. He started the fourth round at 11 under. He quickly uh, started bogeying uh, John Ram quickly took the lead what was really exciting and really nice to see is i'm a jordan spieth guy he made a run and phil mickelson who hasn't been playing well yeah. for a long time shoots seven under to tie bruce kepka for second place at the masters so at 53 years old that's quite an accomplishment for phil mickelson to finish second in the masters he said he was close to turning it around um We'll see. I mean, Phil Mickelson, second place. Second place. And and at one point, before they hit aim in corner, people were talking about him backdooring his way into, you know, the winner's circle over there because incredible seven under final round. And and it would have been uh, interesting to see if, like you said, the weather wasn't uh, prevalent in round three because there were only, uh, I believe there were only like about eight or nine golfers that went under par that, that day. So everybody else went over. Yeah, and then they quickly canceled it for the rest of the day, which is which was which was smart because you don't want that to be the pre- the prevailing reason why players are going to be winning or losing. So the yeah. fact that they finish round three today, most of them finish round three today, and it would have been nice to see Mickelson make a run, but John Ramos having none of it. Yeah, steady Eddie did not make any mistakes down the stretch, and he he wins comfortably. Four shot win to win the first major of the year, his first Masters. Um, clearly the best player in the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm I always an, I always cheer for the Americans. So I was hoping for Kepka or Speed to make a run, um, but it didn't happen. John Ram. I, I, I like Spanish too. I mean, yeah, I, I like I like Spanish people. I like John Ram. John Ram is yeah, he's good. I mean, he, he <laughs> his name sounds German, but he's Spanish, <laughs> and he is the best player in the world. So congratulations to him. So again, that's Ernie Imonti. Together again, we are the Sports Rivals, proud to be affiliated with the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, where you can listen to Clipper basketball, Angel baseball. In football season, you'll listen to the Cowboys and USC, OIA Sports, HPU Sports, and of course, Kool-Aid and Allen and Paul, Mondays from 8 to 9 on 760 AM, 95.1 FM on Wake Up in the Den. So Ernie, the NBA regular season ended today. We are now set for the play-in round. 
Um, so in the East, you're going to have the Miami Heat at seven, hosting the Atlanta Hawks, who are in eighth. You'll have the Toronto Raptors at nine, hosting the Chicago Bulls at 10. Again, what happens is whoever loses the 7-8 game hosts whoever wins the 9-10 game. And that's how it's going to be. So let's start in the East. For me, I have the Miami Heat winning that first game. They're playing much better ball heading into the playoffs. Atlanta is still kind of hit and miss. Atlanta is capable of winning, but I would expect Miami to take care of business and be the seventh seed facing your Boston Celtics. But we'll preview the next round later on next week when that's more relevant. But surprisingly for me, I have the Chicago Bulls beating Toronto. And then beating Atlanta to get into that eight spot. I think the Bulls are playing the best ball right now of anyone. They have two all-star caliber, three if you count Vujicic, three all-star caliber players. I kind of like the Bulls playing the best ball right now to sneak in there at the number eight seed and be the sacrificial lambs to the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round. So that's kind of how I see it. Do you agree? Do you like Miami? I like Miami. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta beat Miami. Uh, you know, Trey Young can just go off on mm-hmm. any given time, you know, and he fe- he feeds off emotion. There are uh, rumblings that, the, you know, there, there are some, uh, you know, there are some inconsistencies as far as his leadership in that locker room. So I'm not sure if that's true. I think Miami cleans up on Atlanta. You know, if Trey Young wants to stay in Atlanta, I'm I'm hearing all these rumors that he's going to be tra- that he's yeah. going to be traded in this offseason. Mm-hmm. If he wants to stay, <laughs> he's got to do it now. And his first order of business is you take you know you do your Trey Young thing and uh, take out Miami. If they can, if he can do it, that's going to set up a new uh, different scenario in the off. At least give some type of uh, room on his side for his case to stay in Miami. But right now. I would have to agree with you. Miami's not only is Miami is 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 playing well right now. To me, they got the best coach in the East under Eric Spolstra. They, they have Jimmy buckets. The guy is just different in the playoffs. Yeah, he's trust crunch. me. This is the, this is the guy. Two times he doesn't make the All Star team, and the years that he doesn't make the All Star team, he makes All NBA. I mean, this guy is just. I mean, he he just turns it on. Bam Adebayo, he's another guy. He's an all-star caliber yeah, player, all-star, great defensive player. Exactly. I think this year's player. I think what they're, they're. I think they're really missing PJ Tucker. You know, who's now with the Philadelphia 76ers. I think their three-point shooting is a shell of what he used That's to be. That's what's going to be Miami. If Miami, if Duncan Robinson and Strauss can shoot like they did in years past. Miami is dangerous, but that hasn't happened now yeah. in a year and two years for Duncan Robinson and, and this year for Strauss. Right. They're just not the same three-point shooting team. So it's going to require them to really light it on fire for them to advance beyond the play-in because I don't see them not beating the Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks. Say Atlanta knocks them off, I still would like Miami's chances hosting the Bulls or the Raptors in the second game right. to get in there as the eighth seed. Right. Um, but I don't see Miami being able to beat either the Bucks or the Celtics, despite the fact that they have the ability to do so if everything goes right. Um, but with Jimmy Butler, we see what he can do. He can put them on his back. 
but the Bucks and Celtics have too much. We saw that last year. He yeah. tried to put him on his back against yeah. the Celtics, yeah. and the Celtics still won relatively easy in yeah. six games, I believe, last yeah. year. No, it was, it was seven games. However, the Celtics just turned over the ball like crazy. I think they averaged like 18 turnovers. Well, that was a Celtic team where when they have to win, they win. If not, they're not concentrating. They lose, and they wouldn't be able to put things together. So right. what, do you, what about the Raptors and Bulls? Who do you like there? Uh, you know what? You're... I can see that happening. Chicago's defense is uh, low key good. Mm-hmm. They're low key good. They're you know if if you if you look at their defensive ranking after the All Star All Star break, they're top ten. So they're they're good. What's to me? They're a good team. They really miss Lonzo Ball. I mean that team when Lonzo Ball was on there what a year and a half ago, yeah. they were doing well. And they just don't have a guy to facilitate it for them, I, I, you know. But, you know, they've been playing uh, better defense. Toronto is in disarray. Nick Nurse has been hinting over the last week that he's deciding on his future with the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. So I truly believe you in regard to Toronto mailed it in against the Boston Celtics. I mean, where... Yeah, I mean, they still have Van Fleet. They still have Siakam, but... I, I I agree. I mean, I, I think it's not just that Chicago's playing better, but I don't think Tia, Toronto wants it as much as Chicago does. Because these guys have their championship from a few years back. Yeah. Um, and if the, if the coach is questioning himself, that's never a good sign. Yeah. So, okay, so you think it's a possibility the Bulls can knock them off? I think, I think the Bulls can knock off Toronto if they match up against Atlanta. Atlanta. That's going to be a good one. If you had to pick one team to go to be the eighth seed, because we both agree on Miami, Chicago, Toronto, or or Atlanta's most likely I, to I, get through. I'm I'm going with you know I'm gonna have, I have to go with Atlanta. I mean I think because they I, have the home game too. I, I think they they have the home game. I think they have. I I mean I, I hate to see they have the best. I mean DeRozan's got to be the best player on top of that. I think they have a more bad. You know you got Collins on there. You know you got Dejounte uh, Murray. Yeah, you, you have Dejounte on top of there. So I'm I think they're a deeper team in my opinion. I just don't. It really depends on what. Uh, Trey Young's mindset is if Trey Young's mindset is I want to stay in Atlanta let's figure this out and let's try to see how deep we can get to the playoffs I think Atlanta is the better team but I I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago but if you're going to put a a gun to my head and say pick one I'm going to pick Atlanta slightly but I believe you in regards to uh, Chicago over Toronto yeah I think Chicago's just playing the best ball right now And, and they seem to really want it and they're gelling at the right time so in the west um, again, now we have some clarity. The top was pretty much, I mean, the Nuggets are there, although they're still not playing well. Memphis goes in hot. Uh, the Sacramento Kings at three. Phoenix Suns at four. They still haven't lost with Kevin Durant in the lineup. They sit him out the last two games. They lose both of them. Um, surprisingly to me, the Clippers played their starters they today did. and beat the Phoenix Suns to secure the fifth seed. I thought that rumors were that nobody wanted to play Phoenix and everybody was trying to lose, but that really wasn't the case because Golden State played all their players too, set the record with 55 (laughs) points in the first quarter in a 56-point drubbing of Portland today. So the Clippers are the fifth seed. So again, we'll preview that part next week. 
Golden State's the sixth seed. They, uh, the Lakers are the seventh seed. The Lakers did all they could to try to get up into the top six, but that back-to-back game, they let Utah take them into overtime. LeBron and AD was spent. They tried to play the back-to-back against the Clippers. They got blown out. Uh, so the Lakers are the seventh seed. Minnesota beats the Pelicans today to take the eighth seed. The Pelicans are nine, OKC 10. So in the West, you'll have the Lakers hosting the Timberwolves. I like my Lakers to be able to beat them uh, on Tuesday and give LeBron and AD six days to rest before the next round especially considering the chaos with the Timberwolves today. I don't know if you saw it, but in a timeout, they have an argument with Kyle Anderson and Ruby Gobert. Kyle Anderson tells him to shut the F up, bitch. And Rudy (laughs) Gobert punches him right there on the floor. They have to be separated. Rudy Gobert is escorted to the locker room, asked to leave the arena, and is kicked off uh, out of the team for today and sent home during the game. Now they got to find a way within two days to gel back together on their way to L.A. So I like my Lakers chances there. (laughs) And then in the 9-10 game, I like the Pelicans who are playing really, really well. OKC, a lot of young guys. SGA, probably the best player in the game um, in that particular game. But I still like how the Pelicans are playing. I like the Pelicans to win that game. And I like the Pelicans to knock off Minnesota and advance. So I like the Lakers as the seventh seed. I like the Pelicans to win twice. And I like the Pelicans to be the eighth seed and give the Nuggets all they can handle if that were to happen. Yeah, I like the Lakers. I like the, out, out of any play in team, I like the Lakers the most. I'm not sure how the Vegas line's on it, but that's just my feeling. I, I like them better than Miami over Atlanta. I believe that, you know, uh, that assemblance of what they have right now uh, you know, on that Lakers squad not only has way better defense, they're just playing the right way. Uh, well, 18 and 8 in their last 26 games, actually the best record in the NBA since March 1st. Wow. Despite the fact that LeBron missed three weeks yeah. during that yeah. time frame. So they are playing the best, and now we don't have to worry about back to backs anymore for the rest of the season. So hopefully that plays to the Lakers' advantage. But they still give me fits. They play to the level of competition, which is Utah was playing with all all of their starters, and they still took them to overtime, which, again, cost them against the Clippers the next night. Yeah, that's, you know what, to me, that's on Darvin Ham. Boy, I'm kind of, you know, I was really high on Darvin Ham. Now I'm I'm like second-guessing that uh, that. I'm glad the Lakers got him instead of Boston. Because <laughs> I wanted him for Boston over Ime Doka. You know, regardless of what Ime Doka did the, the previous, you know, the, the year after. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Looks like Ime's going to end up in Toronto. That's what I'm hearing. But anyway, in the second game, the Pelicans and OKC. Who I, do you like? I, I, I like OKC, and I'll tell you why. I, like you said, I think Shea is the best player in in that game i like their overall that team is good you look at that team versus all the other playoff teams i you know, i would figure that they have a better record than the pelicans versus common playoff teams in the west i i think so but i think the big difference is that during the regular season a lot of times people don't show up people don't care I think I would be really surprised if OKC. I'd be more surprised if OKC beat New Orleans than I would if Toronto beat the Lakers. I mean, uh, Minnesota beat the Lakers. 
only because they are so young that come playoff time and the Pelicans are pretty playoff tested. They they did well last year. They almost knocked off Phoenix. I think I think you have McCollum, you have Ingram, you have Valanchusis who went deep with with Memphis. I just think there's so much more playoff experience there. Plus they'll be playing at home. I would be really surprised if OKC won. But they do have that youthful enthusiasm. They do. They have the SGA, Giddy, the two Williams. They're, they're packed with young talent. I just think they're a year or two away from really winning a playoff game. Yeah, I think they're a year away in my opinion. I mean, that team is that team is really good. I mean, uh, for a 10th seed, I probably, out of all the teams that are in the playing tournament, I think I watched the OKC Thunder play the most and they've impressed me immensely I you know when you say lack of experience sometimes it's better that way sometimes it's better that the fact that you know when they go into New Orleans that uh, you know they don't they don't really care I think SGA is the type of player to uh, you know who he can set the pace in that game I think the matchup between the two Williams out there you know the two rookie Williams who essentially have the same first name Jalen and Jalen uh, uh, you know, can neg- not negate uh, Brandon Ingram. It would, to me, it would be a different story if Zion was Zion, and I think we can all say Zion is not that. Yeah. Okay, so you like OKC to knock off the Pelicans, and then I assume you, if that's the case, then you would like them to knock off the Timberwolves too. I, yeah, I like the tens. I would say, given the light that you shed in regards to Rudy Gobert. And that, you know, that scenario, if that doesn't fix itself, yeah, I'll take OKC over Minnesota. All right. So in the East, we we both like the Heat. And then I, I like the Bulls. Ernie likes the Hawks. If you have to, you have to pick. Uh, and then in the West, we both like the Lakers. I like the Pelicans to get in there. Ernie likes OKC with SGA to get in there. So that's, that is, and the whole week, gang, this whole week is going to be the play-in tournament. Tuesday, the 7-8 games. Wednesday, the 9-10 games. Friday, the second set of games. Right. And then the full playoffs will start on Sunday, Sunday. I believe. Yeah. So we will preview one through eight matchups next week, Sunday, when we have concrete evidence <laughs> of who is going to be played. We'll knock that out. But Ernie, what I wanted to spend a couple of minutes on is this week, quietly, kind of, mm-hmm. The, the players and the owners agreed on a new collective bargaining agreement. Right. And there are a couple of things. There's all kinds of things, but there are a couple of things that, that I think has gotten the most attention. First is there's parameters in place now to prevent teams from going way over the cap, even to pay extreme luxury taxes like the Warriors, etc. There's going to be some things put into play that prevents them from being able to do what they're currently able to do. So... Hopefully that brings a little bit more equity into the game. I don't know. I don't pretend to know exactly what they mean by that. All I know is they were targeting teams like the Warriors who are way over the luxury cap, uh, paying luxury luxury tax because they're way over the cap. But the other thing that got the most attention was the... The new rule that in order to qualify for all NBA or any postseason award, you have to play a minimum of 65 games. As you can imagine, there were some some positive and negatives coming out of that. 
I want your reaction first, and then I'll share with you my reaction on that 65 rule. What are your thoughts on making them play at least 65 to win the MVP or be on the All-NBA team, which we know ties people to being able to get Supermax contracts? Well, to me, it really depends on what is a legitimate injury. You know, if I know that somebody had, and it's doctor certified, you know, that this person has maybe a, you know, grade three ankle sprain that puts them out for a month, you know, and he somehow, uh, you know, throughout the, the year misses another five games and he only plays 64 games, I kind of feel bad for that. So to me, the 65 is good for the Kawhi Leonard types, <laughs> you know, who basically does use it for load ma- I think the whole purpose of this is to negate load management or minimize it or mitigate it you know to, to a certain level uh, I think it penalizes the the players the good players who who try to play I would hate Jason Tatum has played the most minutes over the last two or three years if he had a sprain and only played like 64 games oh I'd be pissed. I would be pissed because you know, like he's almost guaranteed for. I mean, he's he made first team last year. He's almost guaranteed to make at least a third team. You know, if he only made and he had a legitimate injury, and somebody like a Kawhi Leonard comes in and then he plays ten minutes of the first half just to get that. Oh, I played that game. Ten minutes into the first half. Oh, I played that game. There's ways that the other teams are gonna. Well, how should you say, work their way around these rules, but those games count because they want to make sure that he does get the 65 to hit the, I guess, incentives that are within his contract. I can see that basically happening. And right now, I don't see any rule that says that those games don't count. You play a minute, you play 10 minutes, you come out, that's considered one game played. Of course, there's always going to be ways to, to skirt around the rules. So... To me, I completely support this rule because I think it's necessary. Something had to be done. I think 65 is too little. Like for me, I think we've talked about this before. At 65 games, you're still able to miss 17 games, Mm -hmm. meaning you can miss 22% of the season and still qualify to win awards. Now, to me, if all of the stars... The problem that we have here is the fans are getting shortchanged. TV is getting very upset because you never know who's going to be available to play a game when you attend or to watch on TV. And chances are players are always going to be missing. With this many games and that many star players, now what I think is going to happen is now you've put a number out there. So now when the schedule comes out next year, I can totally see the Clippers, the Lakers, um, most teams that have older players, the Sixers saying, okay, six, let's map this out. This is when LeBron is going to be sitting. This is when AD is going to be sitting. This is when Kawhi is going to be sitting because we know now they can only miss 17 games. Now, you're hoping that they're not going to get a serious injury that would completely knock them out. But I don't think that 65 games is enough to make people really stop this load management that's just too many games i mean that's just too many games that you can miss and still qualify plus i think there are so many players that have max contracts already or super max contracts already 
they really don't care if they're all NBA or not. Some do. I think some do. Like the young players, I think do. Like Nikola Jokic, I think he could care less if he was for. Like he doesn't even care if he's the MVP now because he already has two. There are some players that I don't think is gonna care about individual awards. They're gonna be totally focused on a championship, and they know that this is the way to get the championship. Or in their mind, they think it's the way to get the championship. So I still think if you if you can miss. Gosh, if all of my workers at Watanabe Floral missed one-fourth of their day's work and I couldn't fire them, that would be a problem. (laughs) And that's essentially what the NBA is saying. Hey, you know what, guys? You can miss one-fourth of the games with no problem and you can still qualify for all the major awards. And I think it still does not solve the problem that the TV people are going to be worried about. But it's something. Mm-hmm. It, it is something that says, hey, we got to get to this number. How they got to 65, I really don't know because it's not 10%. It's not 20%. It's not 25%. It's like some arbitrary number. I bet you they kind of looked at how many games the best players have played this year. And it's quite a remarkable how many of them played around 65 games like right. Joel Embiid right. and Nikola Jokic right. and Giannis. Uh, many of them are playing right around there. So I think they figure that's the sweet spot. But if that's see, my logic is if that's the sweet spot and these players are all playing this amount of games, then the problem ain't going to get any better next year. <laughs> right. But but again, what do you have? OK, again, going back to my scenario, legitimate injury person plays only 64 games. Kawhi Leonard does what he does. Load management plays 10 minutes. Five minutes, one minute, he gets to 65 games. Yeah, I mean, is, if they is, do that... Is, it, is that fair? No, I'm, I'm not sure if that's fair, but I think if Kawhi does do something like that to skirt the rules, I think the people voting for the award still aren't going aren't gonna to vote him out. But I don't know. I think load management means you don't have to dress, you don't have to, get, you don't have to warm up, you don't have to get in the games, you don't have to do anything. So I would be really surprised to put anybody in for one to five minutes just to qualify for the game. I mean, unless you totally, totally... I could see them doing that on the 65th game if it was at the end of the year, like Luca played 10 minutes the other day, right? Exactly. In the first quarter, exactly. and then he mailed it in the rest of the time. So, I mean, if you have legitimate injuries, you have legitimate injuries. But at the end of the day, I think being able, I think participation is still important in order to qualify for major awards. If you have a legitimate injury, but you missed 20 games and somebody else is playing 70, 75 games and are having a close to as good a year, I think that matters because just because you're really good for 60, 64 games doesn't make you more valuable possibly than somebody who's played in 70. Like Jason Tatum, I give him credit because of everybody in the NBA, he plays the most games. And maybe he needed a little bit more rest down the stretch because he seemed tired over the last month. Um, So maybe he needed more time, but he has this one week now to get fresh. Right. But he plays day in and day out, and I give him credit for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I guess you have more faith in NBA teams in regards to uh, sticking with the rule. I just just see... no, and I don't. I, I think they're going to find ways to skirt around yeah, they're, and they're going to manipulate this. They will. But like Draymond, right? Of course, Draymond's going to always have an opinion. He said owners are going to regret it because if you have, in his words, bums, right? He's calling everybody bums. If you have bums now making the all NBA team and you have to pay them a super max contract, um, they're going to be upset. First of all, 
calling somebody a bum. If, if no matter if you make the third team, you're not a bum. Yeah, you're top like, 15. Nobody, nobody yeah. in the NBA is a bum. First of all, but second of all, just because you make the All NBA team because the best players in the world didn't qualify doesn't make you the owners don't have to give you a super max right. just because you're eligible for a super max doesn't mean you're gonna exactly. get the super max exactly and just because you don't qualify for the 65 and you don't qualify for the super max doesn't mean that the owners aren't gonna give you a super max i mean they know who butters their bread and they know who they're gonna take care of so i thought that argument was a little off by draymond um but Something had to be done because the NBA yeah. is going dangerously down this road. I agree with of you. Lower on that. ratings, lower interest, lower attendance because you just don't you just don't know who's gonna show up. And at the end of the day, TV is the reason why these guys are making 50, 60, 70 million dollars a year. And before the TV contract gets signed, TV people needed assurance that the players were actually gonna play. Yeah. I don't think this gets it done. No. This must have been some kind of a compromise where the players must have wanted 50 and the owners must have wanted 75 and they met in the middle somewhere at 65. It's a start, though. At least there's a number that they have to target. But I think they're going to be smart. And all of these players are going to play 65, 66 games next year. God willing that they don't have a serious injury. Yeah, I'll agree with you on top of that. It's a start. I just I just don't trust the NBA uh uh, offices in regards to uh, you know treating it the right way. I think there's too broad of a you know too broad of a rule just saying 65 games. 65 games, like I said, Tatum played I believe 78 games. He was forced to sell like the four games. Mm-hmm. People, uh, well, just getting past that. Okay, let's just, let's just say he played 78 games. There's other people who played 78 games. Jason Tatum, I can almost guarantee you. Jason Tatum played more minutes than, than, than the other people who mm-hmm. played the same amount of... Oh, it's, absolutely. It, it's just that way. And, and I believe that's what's going to happen. They're gonna and be that's why I think, no matter what you may think of Jason Tatum down the stretch, he deserves first-team All-NBA right, because right. he showed up and played right. and had a good year right. and played the most minutes. Right. So he deserves the most yeah. accolades. To me, they should have made it... Here's, here's, here's my thought to fix this. 65 games with a specific amount of minutes... In my opinion, if you're going to be all NBA, you're, you're not going to be only playing 20 minutes a game. You're going to be playing like 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So let's just say 65 minutes, 30 minutes games, 1950 minutes. That way we take that way we take away all of this 10 minute stuff here, 10 minute stuff yeah. there. I'll take that. And if they do the 10 minutes here, at least I know they made up some time during the season. They played 35, 40 minutes. Somewhere I'll else. agree with that. But... Just to, for me, I'll agree with you on some points. To me, 65 is just too broad. I think, you know, there were some good suggestions that were out there. I think it was Rob Parker uh, that said, hey, you know what? You want to eliminate this load management missing one game? Because sometimes there's legitimate injuries. If you sit out one game, you have to sit out at least three more. So if you want to load manage for one game, you got to sit out four. And that way, if you're truly hurt, because they don't just get to sit out. They sit out with a ankle injury or a calf injury or a foot injury. So if it's bad enough for you to sit out the game, then you're going to have to sit out three more games or something along those lines so that now they think twice before they sit unnecessarily. I still think they would 
a couple of times a year, a Giannis or LeBron would sit four games in a row, which is essentially a week or so, seven to ten days that they would rest. I think that would happen for many of the stars mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. but it, at least you, you're more prepared for that, and it's not a complete guess whenever. Now, this is a compromise, but this is a seven-year collective bargaining agreement, so we're not going to be able to revisit this for seven more years. So we'll see if it works. At least they recognize that there was a problem, and now we're working towards a solution. So, gang, there was really nothing that happened in the NFL Odell Beckham signs today with the Ravens, who don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. That's not that big of a news. Again, Ernie and I, we're getting closer to the NFL draft. So in a couple of weeks, we'll have our NFL draft preview. Not next week. We're going to cover the playoffs next week in the NBA. Two weeks from now, our NFL draft preview will take place. Major League Baseball, it's only week one. Nothing a whole lot happening at this point. That's shocking. So I want to turn it over already to Ernie for his closing thought. Okay, I was going to talk about the Boston Celtics, but that, you know, a lot of you Laker fans would leave after that. So I'm going to continue on my my uh, <laughs> rant, not rant, but information in regards to the collective bargaining agreement and how it relates to. Well, I guess it's the same as the Boston Celtics. How it relates to Jalen Brown, because there's been clatter on the last couple of weeks that Jalen Brown uh, might want to leave the Boston Celtics. Uh, that stemmed from an art, uh, an article that actually came out maybe two or three weeks ago, but originated in the month of January. And basically what they were doing is they were uh, talking about uh, Jalen Brown and on how he felt about trade talks between uh, in, in, in regards to him uh, for Durant, when Durant initially made his first request to get off the the nets, uh, and then it 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 hit all the I guess social media outlets, and it ballooned into something that I thought was you know uh, basically pushing him out there, and and it all comes down to the fact that Jason. I mean, Jason, Jalen Brown is in a contract year. I mean, not this year, but he's eligible up for a renegotiation this year. Uh, and next year after that, he's eligible to be a free agent. Uh, and that all ties down to his contract because when he made his second contract, he did so without an agent. And he's totally outplaying his his contract. The, the guy... The guy, I believe he signed a four-year, $113 million yeah. or something. Yeah. So uh, less than $30 million per year when you get Tyler Hero making like $35 million. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, there's uh, rumblings out there that Grant Williams wanted a $20 million contract and he didn't sign. But I think when, J- when Jalen Brown signed it, wasn't that the max he could get in that first initial extension? I, I think it was the, at that time, but that four-year contract has become like what Poole, that four-year 113 back when became the four-year 130 that Poole and Tyler Hero signed no, now. It, it, it wasn't max. I know, I know that for, for to be right because he took a discount because he didn't have to pay an agent fee. Oh, I see. So because he didn't have to pay an agent fee, he represented himself. He took less as a hometown discount. Okay. Yeah, so he did that. And and I don't know how much it would have been with the max if that would have been his cut. I'm not really sure, but I know for certain it wasn't the max. It was a discount when he did that. But getting back to how the collective bargaining agreement works, you mentioned earlier on the first point that they're making it harder for the good teams who are currently over the tax to you know build these super teams by bringing in... So I think you're talking about the the NBA implemented this second uh, 
tier of luxury tax. Basically, you have the luxury tax. This second tier comes after $17.5 million over that. They call it the, the, I guess, the NBA super luxury tax apron. Any team over that amount, you are restricted like crazy. I mean, you lose your mid-level exceptions. You cannot trade for four players that make more than you to lower your amount on the luxury. It has to be for a player that's at equal value. And no player has equal value. It's all different. So uh, 99.9% of the time, it's gonna be, when you make that trade, it's going to be for a player who makes less than you. So, you know, who's going to do that? I mean, so the, basically the trading is worse and worse and worse. So what the collective bargain agreement did on that point, they made up on other parts. Uh, like you said, for the extension, it was 120% of what the player made the previous year. Uh, if you want to renegotiate uh, prior to your contract expire, they increased that to 140. Doesn't make a much of a difference when you're talking about your, you know, your really superstar players who are who are out playing their contract like Jalen Brown. In fact, if Boston Celtics only offered 140% of Jalen Brown's contract, he's not going to take it. He's, he he wants the supermax. And in order for Jalen Brown to make the supermax. The clause is he has to make an all-NBA team for second or third. And right now, the argument is, will he make it as a guard or will he make it as a forward? If he's in for a guard, he's going to have a huge mountain to climb. There are many, many, I mean, who are you going to get rid of? Are you going to get rid of Damian uh, Lillard? Who are you going to get rid well, of? There's Luka, get- there's Damian Lillard, Kerr, there's Steph Curry, got- there's, there's SGA, there's... Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. So what the second part of the collective bargain? Austin Reeves. Second part of the uh, Austin Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a while before you said that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, Westbrook. But anyways, <clears throat> for NBA in the future, and this helps Embiid because Embiid was robbed the last two years. Embiid was second in the NBA voting to Jokic. Both last year and the year before. Yet he did not make first team all NBA because Jokic was first. Now they're making it positionless, which was a long time coming. So now it's basically if you're the top 15 players meeting that 65 game rule, no matter what position you are, no matter if it's all filled by guards, you're making an all NBA team, which is Good. It's good because it's a different NBA. It's, right. it's a positionless NBA for the most part. Right. So and I think that's a great thing. Right. And for for Jalen Brown, you know, it doesn't pr- uh, prohibit him from getting that super. Because a lot of the players uh, are have uh, you know these honors tied into their contracts. You know, and that's what it is right now for the super uh, to get the supermax. That you for the Celtics, they'll give you the supermax if. Well, like you said, it's not that it's given to you. You're eligible for mm-hmm. the Supermax uh, if you make an all uh, one of the all-NBA teams, you know. So, And I know reporters out there, uh, there are two Boston reporters who gave up their uh, voting rights on this because they didn't want any part into, in predicting uh, the future pay of NBA players. They just they they thought that's not for me to do to decide whether this player and he he said it's it's not it's it's easy if it's if it's uh, you know miles apart but they say in a lot of these cases especially I mean, when you're down to the third team yeah when you go down to the third team and and you're leaving off like 
pass NBA multiple all-star players out of there, it becomes a very, very fine line, you know, in regards to yeah. uh, what, and, and uh, again, uh, how, it, how it affects a player's salary. So, you know, you got the uh, uh, reporters out there who, who vote for these all-NBA teams giving up their votes. So I think this makes it a little bit better. But, the, but in regards to the collective bargaining agreement for Jalen Brown and the luxury tax, the NBA is now allowing, before uh, you weren't allowed to have more than Supermax, two, two Supermax teams. Now you can have endless, super, but you're going to have to pay. You know, you're going to have to pay the tax. You're going to have to, and you know how the Lakers are doing it right now with LeBron and uh, AD. AD having the Supermax. And they're having, they're not going to be able to do that next time because again, they're going to be uh, not that they're all, that much. I'm not sure how much over the cap they are right right now. But let's say they want to keep Austin Reeves. You know, they want to keep some of their players that are making significant difference this year. Uh, it's if they're 17.5 million over that luxury cap, it really prohibits them from picking up. Players, unless the other player really wants to play for chump change, just basically how it's put out there. But it's not prohibiting the organization for spending for all of that. It's just a matter of are you gonna do you want three superstar players or do you want a good team or you want a good team? If you have three superstar players make playing the max, you know, for a matter of fact, you're gonna rubbish the rest of the way. I agree. I mean, I, I totally agree. But my recommendation to Jalen Brown is do not sign anything over the next two years. When LeBron retires, come to L.A. I know you want to come back to California. That's how I would play it, Jalen. Yeah, he wasn't so much. He only stayed one year in California. It's because he was beaten by the University of Hawaii men's basketball That's team. That's true. That's true. No, I, no, I, I mean, I, I, Jalen Brown is going to be an all-NBA player this year. I, I, I honestly believe so. I think he's definitely one of the top 15 players in the NBA he's a two-way player he is I love Tatum because he's a dookie I know you're a North Carolina guy so that's hard I love Tatum but Jalen Brown is a more clutch player I, I believe uh, so I, and, and they're really A and B I mean 1A 1B they are equals to me so it's not like you're going to give Tatum and not Jalen Brown even if Tatum is going to have the accolades I think Jalen Brown is definitely going to be one of the top 15 players in the NBA this year so I think he'll make the all NBA even by the old rules I think he'll do especially if he qualifies as a forward um yeah, I, I think I think I think you're going to be safe there. But it was really interesting to see all the rumors about Jalen Brown getting traded to the Rockets and Jalen Brown getting traded to this team and Jalen Brown getting traded to that team. And I thought coming into the playoffs, um, that was weird because they're the number two seed. They finished one game behind yeah. Milwaukee. They were two games away from World Champs last year. Why would this come out now? Um, but Ernie has his ear to the ground of all things Boston. He says that's a ah, shebang. There's nothing to worry about. Jalen Brown is happy for the next two years. Yeah. Well, I, I would say I would say that he's happy if. He, if he, if for some reason he doesn't make All-NBA and he's not a- able, of course, you're going to be a player out there. I'm going to listen to contracts. I'm going to listen to what you have to offer me. But Boston will always be able to offer him the most money, whether it's Supermax or not. 
they'll always be able to offer more than anyone else. Uh, I, I don't know that because they can only offer him 140% based upon the new collective bargaining agreement. 40% next year is barely over 30 grand. I think he makes 27 million this year. 40% of that is roughly what, $4 million more a year. You're still making less than Tyler Hero. Well, he's making what, 30, 30? Isn't he making like th- close to 35? Well, four years, 113. So that would be close to 30 million, right, for, for Jalen Brown. So if he gets 40% more, they can pay him 42 million, but not 50, which is super max. So he would be, he would be. More than Tyler Hero, but not as much as he could be yeah. in the upper echelon of. Yeah, but I mean, I Russell Westbrook's making forty six. Right, but I don't. I don't not think next he's making, year. Yeah, I don't think he's making thirty. I think I think I saw on Spot Track that he's making something like twenty seven million. That could be because four years one thirteen would be like twenty five. Yeah, like twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah. So yeah, it would take him up to almost thirty five to to forty million, which is. I don't know how he would be able to live on that, but but you're right. It's not the same as 285, which is the supermax, which is what Kyrie's gonna get. <laughs> Somebody dumb out there is gonna pay him. Somebody's not gonna pay him. So I mean, that's 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 interesting, and and the collective bargaining agreement is gonna be interesting. All I know is these NBA players are making obscene money, uh, and they continue to make the most money of anybody. Because in the NFL, you have the Mahomes making 50, but there's a handful of players making that. In the NBA, you have almost every team that it has, has superstars has that are making 50. And one. now it's with this agreement, it's going to go up to $60, $70 million a year. They're going to be making a million dollars a game. Yeah. That's obscene it's, it's, it, it it's, is, it it's is just, it's just unfathomable that they're making that much money so it is what it is it is the world we live in it is totally unfortunate that we did not have six eight parents ernie <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll ride the bench for what three and a half million dollars there you go i mean exactly and the lakers today signed tristan thompson oh my to god go i into, saw that I into saw the that. playoffs for us oh my goodness if, that's if, that's if, just oh that's a if nightmare I, if i see him on the court the Lakers are in trouble. The only time he should be on the court is in mop-up time. Uh, exactly. He shouldn't be playing. Yeah, he shouldn't be he playing. He shouldn't be playing. But again, that wraps up another week. Uh, congratulations to the University of Connecticut winning their fifth national championship. Congratulations to John Ram winning his first Masters and securing his spot as the greatest golfer in the world right now. Uh, NBA playoff action is ready to begin. My Lakers... Oh, let's put it together and make it interesting. Let's at least get out of the play-in and see what we can do against Memphis. We'll be big underdogs against Memphis, but let's see what we can do. It's going to be an interesting playoff because right now, even if I think Boston and Milwaukee are probably the favorites overall in the entire NBA, I still think you're starting this playoffs with at least 10 to 12 teams that can make a legitimate argument for getting hot and winning a world championship. There is even Boston and Milwaukee are not so dominant that I can't see somebody knocking them off. There are some questions with everyone, whether it be Chris Middleton's health or Boston's consistency and and Rob Williams' health. Um, Anything can happen. And I think it's been a long time before we didn't have at least a clear favorite of some sort. 
um, heading into into the playoffs. So that's going to be interesting. And again, our thoughts on the on the collective bargaining agreement in terms of how many plays uh, games they have to play. Ernie's take on what this means to star players like his Jalen Brown as his next contract comes into play. We covered a lot from from the game to the business side. That's what the sports rivals are all about. That's why you tune in and try to be the fastest growing sports talk show out there in the United States. Again, tune in Monday through Friday mornings, Hawaii Sports Radio with Kule and Allen in Wake Up in the Den. Again, that's 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., 7.60 a.m., 95.1 FM. Ernie, got anything else? I'm good. All right. For Ernie, I'm Monty. And until next week, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.